Well, hello, hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Fun, and I want to welcome you to uh, your favorite diaspora show, No Hot Smoke. Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2020, and I hope you guys have all decided what you're going to do this year, what you're going to get into, what good food you're going to eat, what places you're going to go to. But most of all, I hope you've decided on what difference you want to make this year. And so, welcome to the show. Um, here at No Hot Smoke, we bring you the up, down, and sideways truth, as I like to say, about living life outside the motherland. And we also emphasize the importance of remaining authentic in those experiences. And so what we really try and do, for those of you that are new to the show, what we really try and do are to, is to bring on people to the show that are members of the diaspora and that are doing things and using their own experiences to shine some sort of positive light either on the motherland or to bring some sort of positive change to the motherland. So, you know, that's why the show is called No Hot Smoke. We're just going to give it to you straight. Um, so thank you guys for listening. Thank you for those of you that listened last year. We want to thank our listeners in 2019. And we want to thank the new listeners that are listening in 2020. So for today's show, as you guys always know, I'm always very, very, very excited about the guests we have for the show. I just kind of take what you guys, get take the feedback you guys have, and we kind of scour around for people that we think you guys would be interested in. Sometimes you guys recommend people, and sometimes we bring them on, and sometimes we don't. But today, let me tell you guys a funny story. So the guest for today, she is, I know her to be a very good dresser. And which, for most Africans, that's, you know, standard, right? Africans are not known to dress poorly. We're known for having a good fashion sense. You know, we, get, we have great colors, or so people say. You guys just have such nice things, and everything is so bright, and all your clothing is so, you know, beautiful, and we have different types of fabrics, depending on the country that you go to. So, I met this particular, I met our guest today. Uh, I met her at a fundraising event, and um, when I first saw her, I noticed her because she was wearing these red shoes, and she was standing by herself, and just kind of, you know, just doing her thing, and I was like, oh, she looks like she doesn't have anybody with her, like she doesn't have a date with her, and I digress, I'm sorry, it wasn't a fundraising event, it was actually an award show um, hosted by face-to-face uh, -face Africa, recognizing 40 black professionals in the diaspora. Really good, really, really, really good event. Anyway, back to our guest. So I met her there. We connected. We started talking. And I came to find out that she has this uh, this company. Well, first I found out that she had a nonprofit. And then I found out that she has a company. And the company is called Tailored. And when she explained it, she's like, oh, you know, we do different types of things, you know, we use, we design uniforms, you know, industrial wear. And I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of interesting. I didn't know that, you know, that kind of thing could be outsourced. But come to find out, it's really what Taylor does is in their operations and how they do things, their whole aim is to help people look good and feel good about what they are wearing. And I'll let her elaborate on that more, um, which I thought was just thoroughly fascinating. 
So this person that I keep calling this person has a name. And her name is Shawnee Grant. Shawnee, welcome to No Hot Smoke. Thank you. I'm so excited. And you guys should see her. She's really from and proper, you know, has her hands in her lap. Just <laughs> really, really adorable. And she has just this cutest little laugh. But um, I wish you guys could actually see sometimes the guests that we bring in because it really adds a little bit of flair and flavor to the show. But anyhow, Shawnee, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Shawnee's very busy. And so I really appreciate the time that she took to come on to the show. And um, so what Shawnee's going to do is Shawnee's going to, we're going to have a fashion series and Shawnee is part one of three of that series to kind of lay the overall groundwork. And so what Shawnee's going to talk about today is fashion and Africa and seeing the opportunities. And there's going to be a series of, you know, through our conversation, we'll bring a few things out that I think would be um, useful to, you know, you up and coming fashion designers or those are, that are interested in having your own fashion house. So here is a little moment of ed education for you guys. Uh, Shawnee, where are you from? I am born and raised in Houston, Texas. Okay. Now you guys are like, well, she's from Houston. Why is she on the show? She's not your normal guest. No, she is not. But diaspora, Shawnee is African-American. That's what we would call her here in the U.S. We'd call her African-American. And the diaspora is not just relegated to first-generation people outside of the motherland. So it's not just, you know, my, my parents or me. Diaspora are those that are of that descent that are living outside of their country, countries of origin. In this case would be continent of origin being Africa. And so Shawnee has a lot to bring to the table that I think a lot of you guys would be really interested in hearing about. I've spoken to a few people that are interested in starting their fashion lines. And I'm like, hmm, I know somebody that would be great for the show. So she's here, African diasporan, and uh, I just want you guys to just, you know, sit back, relax, hear what she has to say. But she's from Houston, Texas, and uh, three fun facts about Shawnee, apart from her really cute laugh, which you guys are going to hear, right? She's trying not to laugh. I don't even know why she's trying. She's sitting here smiling like a Cheshire cat from Alice out of one, Alice in Wonderland. Just laugh. Just just laugh, Shawnee. Just do it. Just do it. Don't 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 fight it. Don't fight the laugh. Um, Shawnee has lived in China and Morocco, which I find very fascinating because I love different countries, love different cultures. Uh, the other fascinating thing that the other fun fact that I like about her is she carries a gratitude book or gratitude journal. She keeps a vision board no matter what country she lives in. And only somebody that has lived in multiple countries can say, I do this particular thing no matter what country I live in. Well, how many countries are you living in, ma'am, sir? I mean, I'm glad that that is your experience. I, I want to have that experience too. Um, and then the other fun thing that I really, really, really like. So Shawnee's a biologist. You said a biology undergrad, right, Shawnee? I did my undergrad. Where'd you go to school? Texas Southern University. TSU. TSU Tigers. Oh, they're Tigers? Really? They are. Rawr. I, I'm sure they don't <laughs> say, make that cute of a rar like you just did. I'm sure there's just more, you know, 
animalistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yours sounds very refined. Roar! <laughs> um, so she's a biologist, and the way she operates her business is the way she would operate things kind of in a lab, right? So she uses her science background to approach her business, and she's going to tell you guys more about that. So I wanted to know, Shani, you, you've been to China and Morocco, right? I have. Now, in China, what, first of all, what took you to China? What took me to China? Um, I started my own company, mm-hmm. which we were offering custom clothes making to men and women. Nice. So business to consumer was our business module. Um, with coming to an end of the first year, I knew that I wanted to go into B2B, which is business to business. Okay. And I wanted to focus solely on designing, manufacturing, and selling the garments. Okay. I wasn't really enjoying running a business, managing, you know, a physical location. Okay. So with that said, I closed down the boutique. Um, still worked in the fashion industry, but I moved to China so that I could study garment manufacturing through hands-on training. Wow. First of all, you guys, when she said she lived in China, I'm thinking, oh, maybe she studied abroad, you know, or something. I didn't know that she took all her cojones, which not really because she's a female, but you know, just go with me. And she actually up and moved to a whole new country. You didn't know anybody in China, right? I didn't know anybody in China. Wow. Do you learn Chinese while you were there? I did. So I speak beginner level Mandarin. Mm. Tell me, your eyes are so pretty in those glasses. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, but that's a little bit more than beginner level. (laughs) Just just tell me hi. (laughs) Ni hao. Okay, so y'all can say ni hao. Ni hao is a... Yeah, hello. (laughs) Yeah, Ni Hao is hello. I think, I think most of us know that. Okay, so you were in China, and what did you learn in China that kind of added to the way you run your business or really added to your business? The was- things I've learned in China, um, well, of course, it helped me to learn the process of manufacturing, quality control, import, export. Okay. So those are the major things. Um, as I mentioned, I had a custom clothing shop mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in Houston, Texas, where you come in, have your measurements taken, uh, choose your fabric, and we make it for you. So making your visions come to life. Okay. Um, now, while studying in China and working side by side with the factories, um, I learned the process of mass producing more than oh, one piece at a I time. See. I see. And the process of how you perform quality control you know, to catch certain things, defects within garments before they leave the factory and get shipped to the buyer. Now, your this was um, this was still while you were you still had tailored at this time, right? Yes. So tailored boutique is my company, which is a corporation. And tell us what you know. Tell us your vision for Taylor. Tell us what it's all about. My vision for tailored. So tailored boutique is the company. Tailored is actually the clothing brand that our company produced. That's our in-house brand. So um, as I mentioned, we started off with custom clothing. So when I, once I started, sorry, once I decided to start my own clothing brand, I decided to name the clothing brand Tailored because all of my designs 
are pretty much tailored to different people to my target audience. So I wanted to basically create a clothing brand that made people look good, feel good, because I feel like when we look good, you know, and we feel good about ourselves, that's when we perform at our highest potential. Mm. So that's pretty much the inspiration behind that brand, creating mm. something that's more of a lifestyle instead of a seasonal trend. Okay. Who are most of you? Who would you say most of your uh, customers are? Now, my customers are schools. Okay. I design school apparel for universities. Oh, awesome. Um, and college prep programs that's at di different universities throughout the United States. So, like, Letterman jackets would be an example of a school apparel? Is that... Yes. Okay. So, Letterman jackets, uh, T-shirts, which have, like, positive affirmations on it, but also includes the school's name okay. and colors. Okay. Um, blazers embroidered with the school's logo. Okay. So, not your typical everyday uniform, you know, collar shirt, khaki bottoms, but apparel that's produced in school colors that includes the school name. Okay. And Letterman jackets, for those of you that are listening outside of the U.S., which is a majority of you guys, Letterman jackets are these jackets, I'm using the word to describe the word, Letterman jackets are essentially these, it's, like, it's almost like a heavy, it looks like, it looks like a, a winter coat, maybe a fall coat. And it has your, it's called a letterman jacket because if you, um, if you attain a certain amount of hours in a particular sport or activity, you get recognition for that by getting a letter. And so it's called a letterman jacket. Um, you, you can't, you, you have to earn the letterman jacket. So you can get it for being in band. I had mine, I had my letters for track, had my letters for uh, theater because I was, I was a thespian. And I had my letters for music because I sang in the choir and uh, yeah. So you can you can get it for different things. Uh, you can get it for, you know, key club or, or um, physics club or whatever it is that are offering those jackets. Highly coveted thing in a high schooler's life. If you can get a learning jacket... You're, you're on your way to doing some good things in that year you're in high school. Let's not say for the rest of your life, but at least for that year that you're in high school. So that's just to give you guys an idea of what a Letterman jacket is. So, okay, so that's tailored. So tailored, you guys, is the brand. Tailored Boutique is the company. So we, let's, let's not get this confused. Because sometimes I get it confused because, you know, that, I mean, I'm a human being. So, um, okay, so you saw that. You're like, okay, China. I'm learning all these things, all this quality control, blah, blah, blah. Um, and you've used that experience that you had in China. You were there for two years to add to your business to kind of maybe improve it. I don't want to say up it, but, you know, improve it a bit or improve certain aspects of your business, I would say, right? Yeah, well, I moved to China because, as mentioned, I wanted to now sell offer BB2B, which is business okay. to business. Okay, and correct. so if you're selling to another business, that involves multiple garments, which we consider mass production. And so usually when you're mass producing, you would go to a factory. Now, there are several factories here in the United States, uh, mostly, I would say, in L.A. or New York. And... But most of the big brands, as most people know, they have their garments produced outside of the United States. Mm -hmm. um, 
due to the lower cost, okay. lowering the overhead cost. Okay. So I figured, hey, why not um, go directly to the source instead yeah. of through a middleman? You know, why yeah. can't a small business owner do the same? And so that inspired me to move to China so that I could project manage the production of my clothes and not just send a factory some money, you know, uh, or go visit for a week or two and put money down on a collection and get back to my country and take the risk of receiving what I did not order, okay. which unfortunately happens to a lot of fashion designers when they travel to different countries. Oh. So me living there allowed me to not only learn the process and how things go, but uh -huh. it also helped me to learn the currency, oh. um, which gave me a great advantage. I'm sure. When I do business in China or any country, I negotiate in their currency. Wow. I'm from America, the U.S. dollar is strong. Yeah. So what you think may be inexpensive. Yeah. When quoted a you know a price in usd is actually a lot of money when you do yeah. the currency exchange so that right there is something i would give advice i would give to all designers yeah you know planning to manufacture outside of their country whatever country it is so for example if you have a nigerian fashion designer that wants to you know go into mass production right um one of the pieces this like two or three things that you would tell them one of them is the currency. Absolutely. Um, if you are manufacturing outside of Nigeria, right, mm -hmm. outside of Africa, yeah, um, it, you would definitely need to understand the currency of the country that you're producing in. Um, as mentioned, your your currency may be more value than theirs or less. So sure. that's really important because that determines, you know, your overall price point, how much you're really going to be coming out of pocket. Correct. Correct. So um, that's one thing. Um, for example, um, I've seen many foreigners from the UK visit China and they may have like one suit made and they may pay what's equivalent to a hundred, you know, and 50 pounds. When really, we wow. would probably pay like 70 pounds for that suit for expat living in China because we are there every day and we know how much things are supposed to cost. Oh, okay. Now that person, okay. you know, traveling from London, whoa, this is a good deal. In London, I would pay 500 pounds yeah. for a custom suit or yeah. more, you know. So to them, that's a good deal. And the expats living there are looking, thinking, yeah. really, that's not a good deal. You traveled that far away to come here and you're still getting charged three times plus, you know, wow. the price that you should be paying. Wow. What's another, what are two other um, pieces of advice that you would, or maybe either recommendations or maybe things to be aware of for young up and coming fashion designers, fashion entrepreneurs um, that are interested in taking their business outside of their country, whether they're interested in taking it outside of Ghana or South Africa or whatever it is. The advice that I would give them um, if they are planning to manufacture. Yes, yes. Okay. So, I should have been clear. Sorry. No, it's okay. So if they are planning to manufacture outside of their country, the advice that I would give them is to build a solid relationship with the factory that they plan to work with. Before they start producing, investing money in samples or a small collection or a large collection, mm -hmm. I would say have multiple factories, at least three, produce you samples. Okay. So that way you can compare, you know, the three, um, the quality, okay. the fabric, 
and whichever one that you feel did the best job, then that's the one you want to go with okay. and have them produce all of your samples. Okay. Um, and speaking of samples, I would recommend that you always produce samples first. Usually when you have expats traveling to a country to manufacture um, they're their own business. They already know what they want. So once they meet a factory and they see their samples, mm-hmm. they proceed with putting money down, either mm-hmm. half or a full payment okay. for them to start producing. Okay. And then eventually they leave, go back to their country and wait for that shipment to come to them. Uh-huh. And my advice is to never invest in a full collection even if it's 10 pieces plus okay you should always produce samples one of each design first okay i see mm-hmm. i see see i i wouldn't have known that i wouldn't have i probably would have gone and done look for some factories shopped around for prices and i wouldn't have thought to do the whole sampling thing that's that's actually pretty good yeah and the benefit of that what i would also add is the benefit of producing samples outside of saving your money to Mm -hmm. ensure that the quality is good it also allows you to test the market so once you receive those samples as a designer we always think that we have the best designs or all of our designs are good but when you receive that's such a good point no seriously right yeah we think all of our designs are good and so the best way the best thing for you to do moving forward is to test the market Take those samples, have some models, try them on, have a photographer come out and conduct a photo shoot and release them to the public. And that way you will learn which ones are most popular and which ones are not. And with that information, you will know which designs to produce more of and which ones you should completely X out because they're not, you know, they're not making the cut. Because the goal is to sell. Yeah. Oh, this is, this is, this is, this is like gold right here. I think the value of gold is pretty high too. So that means the value of what you're saying is even higher than it would have been if the value of gold wasn't that high. That was a really, really pedantic rant I just went on. Um, (laughs) So do you think that with China really controlling the manufacturing, um, do you think that there are, what are the opportunities or what are the opportunities that there are for African fashion designers to, apart from just, you know, going to China to manufacture, what are their opportunities? What opportunities do African fashion designers have to work with China or, you know, to work with what China has to offer? Well, I'll say with African designers. Yeah. Right. Uh, the benefit that they would have. Yes. Working with the factory in China. Yeah, either working with the factory in China or working working with China in general. Okay. Well, starting with factories, I mean, you know, they have... First off, China um, t- is known for making a lot of things outside Correct. of clothes. Correct. So um, there are so many opportunities to work with the factory so okay. that you can start producing any type of product to import into your country. Okay. So, for example, I'm not sure exactly what Nigeria, for example, is lacking, but whatever you see is an untapped market, you can take that idea to a Chinese factory Mm -hmm. and have them produce it, and then you import it into your country, Mm -hmm. you know, because technically you have no competitors because we're speaking of an untapped market, but you see a need for something. Correct. Now, the advantage of 
going to China is they have the manpower. Correct. That's so, that's 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 real talk. Yes, that's the key. That now, is real talk. Nigeria, um, all of Africa, America, any country, all countries, they have their own tailors, their own seamstresses. I'm sure they have factories there. But China does have the manpower because they have been doing this for a few centuries, right? Yeah. Does it help that they have over a billion people? That de- <laughs> that definitely helps. That definitely helps. Um, you know, but as mentioned, it's very important that you build a relationship with the factory. It's very important that you visit in person because when you're there in person, you're actually able to meet the manager. You're able to walk through the factory and see the conditions of the factory, okay. how they're running the factory. Okay. Um, so you will know outside of them producing something quality or not, you will also know if this is the type of factory I want okay. to produce my clothes because they are they are an ethical factory. Okay. Because right? I know some people will say, oh, I met this person um, and they are the, the, the Chinese person is going to be the middleman between what I'm going to be making, what, what I'm going to be producing in, in China and the... The foreign national, like the non-Chinese national, really has no plans on going to China, uh, you know, checking out the manufacturing um, environment or the environment in general because they're trusting this middle person to kind of carry all that out for them. Would you would you say that that is an okay idea, a good idea, or probably something that you shouldn't do? Um, I'm not against the idea, mm-hmm. you know, but as I mentioned earlier, it's best that you educate yourself on how much things cost there. Yeah. Because, um, at the end of the day, even if you found, even if you feel like you found someone that you can trust as a middleman yeah. to conduct business and oversee the operations, if you're uneducated on how much you should be paying that person That's true. for that service, you might be overpaying. That is true. And that person is not going to tell you, hey, you're paying me three times more than what I would actually get paid working for a Chinese company in China or for doing this particular service. Of course so, not. Um, you're me, right. Why would they? <laughs> exactly. So me personally, for example, my own personal experience, I there has been a point that I've had to trust uh, a local, right? Mm. A Chinese person to be the middleman, mm-hmm. even though I lived in China once I started moving to a different uh country Mm -hmm. i had to trust someone to oversee the operations and to coordinate the shipping and handling and to do the translations for Mm. the orders Mm. so this particular person tried to charge me a lot more than he should have because i've I've lived in china i know how much things should cost i see so i was still able to use that person but negotiate that cost i see and and the number one rule in the beauty of china is everything is negotiable so when someone gives you a price unlike america you Mm -hmm. can say hey i have a counter offer correct you can go back and forth and the advantage that you have being a, a negotiator is the people there are not willing to walk away from a deal because okay. they know that there's so many other people that's offering that same service or product as them. So they rather accept your money before you go find someone else and they I lose see. the money altogether. I see. Because like you mentioned, there's a billion people there. Yes, right? yes. It's almost like, you know, in most African countries, when you go and buy something at the market or you really go and buy, yeah, at the market, you... It's open table. They have their price, but you can always, you know, barter them down. 
And so it's I, that's interesting, those similarities. Do you think that um, you'll ever do work in Africa? I think that I will do work in Africa um, only because I've been there before. I've been mm-hmm. to I've been to um, South Africa. Mm-hmm. I've been to Nigeria. Um, and I've lived in Morocco, which is North Africa. But, yeah. you know, um, because I've, I've had the advantage of going there and roaming around, touring around and visiting the uh, different places and seeing the opportunities that I could possibly have. Mm. Um, I do foresee myself in the future working there. Okay. My charity organization has actually partnered with a school, a boarding school in Biosa State. Um, I believe that was 2013 or 14. So we have got our hands into a little business there, but just more on the charitable side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So definitely in the future, um, as a designer, you mm-hmm. know, for sure. Biosa State, for those of you that don't know, Biosa State is a state in Nigeria. Okay, so do you think that African fashion has a place in in the fashion world such that it can be mass produced absolutely and um, what is it about african fashion that you that makes you say yes to that well okay i might be a little biased right <laughs> when i first started designing um with my company for some reason i was attracted to the fabric i love the colors the vibrant okay. colors the prints um, I feel like they're so playful and there's so mm-hmm. many different designs you can create with them, mm-hmm. you know, from a woman's dress to a 50 style skirt mm-hmm. to a suit, you know, there's just so many different ways, you know, different designs. You can take that cultural fabric and, and create a Western design when mm. we consider Western, Yes. you know, so there's just so many different ways. And I feel that there is room for African fashion to be mass producing globally distributed yeah due to my travels overseas and living overseas Mm -hmm. um there's so many people wanting um african you know fashion so outside of america it took it it really took off here um yeah i want to say like 2013 14 a lot of celebrities started making appearances in different african prints yeah and kyra prints Stuff like that. Yes, um, yes. Even while I was in China, I knew some women that will travel to a completely different city by speed train just to purchase African fabric. Guangzhou. Yeah, Guangzhou. Yeah. Which was what they call Little Africa, just yep. to get African fabric and have a tailor make them something. Wow. Um, just from my understanding of you know people who live in London, you know you have a lot of people from Africa and London yeah. and. People who just like the fabric that aren't from Africa, you know, because it is fun. It is colorful. It yeah. is it's very nice. And um, I like that. I don't know much about the different prints, but I have learned that they mean certain things. Like yeah. each. Yeah. I guess you can say. No, you're right. Print is the right word. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure if it's different cities or different states or how how it goes, but you all have your different types of fabric and they, oh, they have yes. a, you know, a tradition behind it. Yes. Right? I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like in different parts of Nigeria, there are certain types of material that if you see somebody wearing it, you're like, oh, that person, let's just say you see them wearing it at a wedding. You're like, oh, this is a wedding from this you know, ethnic group. Right. Um, like lace, Yoruba, you know, they're known to wear lace. They have a lot of lace. And so, you know, they have it in their, um, in the stuff that the ladies wear. Um, you know, we, I say we, 
uh, people from where my parents are from, where I'm from, um, and our we wear what is called George. And George looks it looks like plaid, to be honest. It looks, it looks exactly like plaid. But we wear George. Um, if you go to um, you know, if you go to Kogi State, there they have this. Uh, I can't really describe it. It's 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 almost like a uh, it's like a cross between like wool and something else. Um, they, they have this particular type of fabric that is you know that is particular to them. And so if you see somebody wearing it, like oh, that's from Co- they're from Kogi State. So. I think in I think it works the same way with other parts of Africa. Every you know we all have our our own fabrics like the the kente right. Mm-hmm. We see kente, and we're like oh Ghana. Even though now kente is everywhere, we see celebrities wearing it. Um, you know, but we're like oh kente, you know is you know is is, is associated with Ghana because it's it's a Ghanaian fabric. It's a Ghanaian pattern fabric, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, that that that's a really good point. So. And it kind of makes me happy to hear that, that African fashion has a, has a place in the fashion world. And it's just now recently, like Shawnee said, that you began to see a lot of people that are not necessarily Africans, right? They were born and raised in Africa, get into the African fabric. She saw it in China. We see a lot of U.S. celebrities wearing, um, wearing you know, Ankara. I was watching a show the other day. It's a Netflix show. And I forget what it's called. Somebody, somebody said it's like the Black Fuller House. But I noticed in the audience, one of the, um, the extras was wearing a dress. But really nice dress, really nice colors. But I was like, ooh. I was like, that's Ankara. But they just sewed it into like a, a cocktail, a short cocktail dress. And so like Shawnee said, it's very versatile. And uh, maybe we might know that but, and we might appreciate that. But now we can appreciate that other people also appreciate that as well, which I think is delightful. So let me ask you, Shani, if you were to give one solid piece of advice to somebody that just woke up and said, you know what, I want to do fashion. They just, maybe they don't have a background in it, but they just have this calling to do fashion. What would you, what would you tell them? Would you tell them, slow down, drink some water, you know, meditate before you start on it or would you tell them you know go ahead on or would you even tell them something as simple as you know um you know conceptualize everything in your mind or you know i i don't know like i know what i would tell lawyers because i'm that's what i am but you're the fashion person so one piece of advice that i would tell someone in your in what you just said if yeah. someone woke up and they're like hey i want to get into the fashion industry mm-hmm. i would never tell someone you know to slow down because it might be their season correct you know and some of us take off a lot quicker than others okay. you know what took one person 5 years to you know take off and get off the ground and really become successful it may mm-hmm. take someone else one year like we True. we read these stories right yeah. yeah all the time so um the piece of advice i would give is to don't be afraid to wear different hats when you're entering the fashion industry as a person who does not have any background in that industry and you're intrigued with entering into the industry there's so many different careers within Mm. that industry right other than a fashion designer because you may think that you want to be a fashion designer and then once you learn all the tasks that comes, you know, that it that it involves to yeah. the whole process of designing and 
materializing that those physical clothes yeah you might not enjoy that you uh, might enjoy just owning a fashion boutique oh I you know see. and just selling the clothes or you might just enjoy blogging about fashion right oh, being that person at all of the fashion shows new york fashion week hong kong fashion week you okay. know blogging about all of the designs or you might want to be a stylist, which is the person who goes shopping and gives you advice on what to wear, but isn't necessarily in the factory investing their money, right? Oh, I see. So it's, it's, it's a very broad industry. So my advice would be to go in and try out different positions, work in okay. different positions, because you don't know what you would enjoy and what that's you true. wouldn't enjoy until you're actually in motion doing it. That's and that's true. how I was guided into my exact position. Oh. Yeah. So you're saying that you worked in manufacturing? Well, when I started, um, I thought that I wanted to design and sew the clothes, yeah. right? Custom clothes making. Yeah. And I eventually learned after taking sewing classes and shadowing a seamstress, I'm like... <laughs> Yo, like sewing is not, this is not, this is not for me, you know, spending oh, like four hours plus in front of a sewing machine, you know, just to make one piece like correct, that's, correct. I, I, I don't have the patience, but you have some people who find that very therapeutic, you know, oh, the, the putting see. together of the raw material and creating this piece afterwards. Mm. Me, I'm more of, of the creative person. I can sketch the design and mm -hmm. give it to the tailor or the seamstress and let them sew it. Mm. You know, so I wore many hats before I realized, okay, let me stick. This is what I'm going to specialize in. Okay. And I think if you do it that way, what you'll avoid is you'll avoid going into something that is not right for you and then giving up, you know, a quarter of the way through because you're like, oh, I hate this. Right. Maybe it's just that thing that you hate. It's not the whole industry right exactly i mean i've even had students in my class that are really good at math for example love accounting and then they realize but i like fashion too and they realize hey there's job opportunities for me to be an accountant within the fashion industry interesting right so they're an accountant but they're working for a fashion firm yeah so oh. yeah y'all hearing this because Y'all better be taking down these notes. Shawnee does consult. Please do. I'm dropping fashion gems on you. Yeah, so she does <laughs> consult. So uh, <laughs> normally you'd have to pay for this advice. So lucky you. Okay, so those are the things that I wanted to pull out of you that I, from the people that I've talked to, that um, maybe concerns that they raised or, you know, or whatnot. Uh, let me just randomly ask you. Uh, any day you're feeling really hot and sexy, really cute, what are you wearing? <laughs> it's fashion, um, you guys. We're going to talk about fashion. <laughs> <laughs> what are you wearing? <laughs> the day when I'm feeling really cute. Yeah. Okay. Are you wearing, I'm... like, a cute dress? Or are you wearing, like, you know, some sandals? Or are you wearing, you know, pink? Um... I do love pink. Pink is very playful. But um, when I'm feeling myself, right? Yeah. And I'm wearing yeah. something that makes me feel like, okay, yeah. I'm looking good. I'm feeling, I'm looking cute or whatever. It's usually um, high waist pants. Really? Yeah. I have a, I have a love for 70s fashion. Interesting. You know, high waist pants, um, a little flare at the bottom, almost kind of really? like a bell bottom. Interesting. So I love wearing slacks, which are high waist pants. Uh -huh. Yeah. Never would have thought that, you guys. Yeah. 
You want to know what I mean? Nice pair of trousers. Yeah. You know what? Thank you. For our non-American audience, she means trousers, (laughs) not underwear that you wear before you wear your clothes. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. High-waisted trousers. We We in the U.S. call trousers pants. Most other people refer to your underwear as your pants. Thank you for clearing that up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's this cross-cultural, cross-cultural things happening. Okay, so as you guys know, as you guys have heard, if you are interested in this field, before you jump into any one thing in particular, say you want to do fashion, maybe just you don't know what you want to do, but you know you want to do fashion, be willing and open to wear those different hats. Uh, it will save you a lot of headache in the future, um, as, as Shani said. You kind of fi- figure out what you really do like and what you really don't like about that particular industry. But for those of you that are, you know, fashion designers and you're looking to expand your brand, find a manufacturer for your brand so it can be um, produced on a mass scale and you're looking toward China, then do as Shani said and make sure you go and you get those samples Uh, You obviously need to, I'm sorry, obviously need to educate yourselves. So go and visit the factory. Go in person. Don't just rely on your contact that you met met on WhatsApp or that you found them on Instagram to be that middleman to, to produce what you want to produce. And then once you do do that, obviously, once you got, you got your samples, make sure you, you shop them around in terms of you know, have people try them on, have people come out, get, get some feedback. And does this, it might look good in a sketchbook when people put it on, they're like, Ooh, you know, it makes me look a certain way. It makes everybody look a certain way. And that might not have been the way you intended. So, uh, do those things. And, Hmm. What was the last one, Shani? I think there are three salient things that you mentioned building a relationship generally, right? Yeah. But, <clears throat> excuse me. Yes. Building a relationship is very important because it's like any other business in any country. If you yeah. have some random person come in and purchase something, you know, you're going to operate your business how you operate it and, For sure. and you know, make that transaction happen. But that's pretty much it. It is a transaction. Mm. But as a person building a relationship with a factory, mm-hmm. now I know fun. Yes. So yes. I know that um, this is someone I respect. Yeah. This is someone I want to make sure I give quality service to. It becomes yeah. a little bit more personal. I see. You know, if you have a complaint, I'm more open to. Okay. You know, so if they batch. Okay. They mess up your batch of stuff, and the person, the 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 factory manager, has this relationship with you. Maybe I see. Yeah. Quicker resolution. Um, okay. Quicker resolution. Um, resolution at all. Yeah, you know, that's A lot true. of times when you're dealing business with the factory overseas in any country, um, if there's a defect in your garments, I mean, you take it as a loss. It's not... America, for example, we believe in customer service for the mm-hmm. most part. Mm-hmm. So if there's an unhappy customer, if there's a, especially if there's a defect in a product, you can take it back and get your money back. Mm-hmm. Um, you can dispute it or something in court, mm-hmm. but with a different country, it's different laws. True. So it's really up to that relationship that that factory owner to say, hey, let me fix this. Let me give you a credit yeah. for your next order. You know, if we're, or let us try to fix this now. Hmm. versus someone they 
you know, don't know, they might not be as open to I caring see. about your business as much. You That's know? true. That's true. That's true. And with that, you guys, I want you to put your hands together and say thank you, Shawnee, for dropping free gems on us. Thank you, Shawnee. Um, You're very welcome. I, I find this area fascinating. I like fashion. I like different clothes. I just find the, the relationship between countries in terms of bringing somebody's idea to fruition for the mass market, all these intricacies that we would never even think of. Something as simple as building a relationship. I mean, it has so many benefits to it, right? Yes. And so I just wanted to thank you for you know being willing to share your experience with our audience. We will have Shawnee's website up uh, for you guys. Um, it's just going to be on there for two weeks. We're going to have Shawnee's website up there uh, when we send out if you guys have any questions when you when you guys listen to the show, um, as you guys are listening to the show, I should say, if you guys have any questions, send us an email. Uh, you can email mfon at afritalksz.com, or you can get on my Instagram, no hot smoke. Um, Shawnee, what is your uh, Instagram handle? Our Instagram is shop tailored. S-H-O-P-T-A-I-L-O-R-E-D. Okay. Shop tailored. There you go. So thank you again, Shawnee. You got any uh, last minute uh, goodbyes in, in Mandarin for our audience here? <laughs> tai Chien. What does that mean? <laughs> Goodbye. Oh. See you later. Tai Chien. Yes. So, um, yeah, last words. Get it done. Make those visions. You know, mm -hmm. take those visions and get them on paper. Do that. Tai Chen!